You're about to listen to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders and for coders about all aspects of life as a developer. I'm Will, the curmudgeonly experienced developer. And I'm Beach, the optimistic newbie developer. Welcome to another episode of the Complete Developer Podcast. Before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Windows 10. Ooh. Is my nemesis right now. Um, I haven't switched. You're still on seven, though. I am still on seven. Yeah, if um, you were on eight, you would have already switched. Oh yeah, eight's awful. But yeah, I mean, when yeah, I... I'm on eight point one, it worked. But what's what's happening is that actually Microsoft is really just in general irritating me tremendously here lately. Like I have not been this irritated by them since the early two thousands. Really. Um, because you know Windows 10, um, you know the the nagware. It's like every day. Do you want to upgrade? Do you want to upgrade? It's like no, I don't want to upgrade to Windows 10 right now because this is a machine that I work on. I can't just do that. I have to do it. You know, I have to be able to schedule that downtime. Yeah. And go okay for two, three, four days. You know, however long this takes, I'm not going to be able to do anything on this box. And it's hit me on my primary machine. And it got me the other day. I was um, was playing World of Warcraft, and I was on a raid. And, you know, you can only do those once a week. And it kicked me out of the game, you know, brought me out in the middle of a boss fight. And my character died, and I got kicked from the raid group. And I, I can't go back in there until next week now to ask me if I wanted to upgrade to Windows 10. And I'm considering writing an app right now that takes the GWX.exe, which is the, the one that nags you about mm-hmm. it, and constantly pulls memory to see if it started to load and kill it. Wow. Every time it loads. Um, I am working on trying to get my laptop moved over to Windows 10, but when you have a development environment, you just you can't switch at the drop of a hat. It doesn't matter what Microsoft exec does this. And so this is ridiculous. It's it's mistreatment of users. The other thing I'm having a problem with is in Visual Studio now, um, because I've got the BizSpark, you know, version of the thing, you know, you got to log in, it's got to know your MSDN and, you know, all that crap. Mm-hmm. Well, what it's doing of late is instead of accepting that, okay, he logged in recently and, oh, right now I don't have an internet connection. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with him. Well, of late, what it has been doing instead is going, oh, your MSD, you know, we've got to renew right now. Drop whatever you're doing, and I'm going to interrupt you in the in the middle of debugging multi-threaded code for you to sign into MSDN. And oh, by the way, I'm going to do this while your wife is driving and you're going down the road and you're on your laptop and you don't have an internet connection. Um, that's that's extremely asinine. It's it's extremely disrespectful. We you know we, and that's kind of what we're talking about in this episode is. Yeah, and you know it's funny because I use the community edition of uh, Visual Studio, and I've not had that problem. It, it's especially frustrating to me because I've invested in hardware here. I mean, I have a server, I have a server rack, I've got all this stuff here, so that if the internet goes down, I can still be productive. And they've taken that away from me. They have essentially made, they've rendered all that investment in hardware and software and planning and you know, preparation, they've rendered that moot. And they've, they've, they're throwing my money away, effectively, as far as I'm concerned. And so I'm actually 
to some degree starting to wonder if I shouldn't shift to a different platform if Microsoft is going to treat people this way. You know, the thing is, is like the when the laptop, with, you know, with the Visual Studio issue, right, where mm-hmm. it just interrupted me, that machine, it's not like, oh, the license was run out and you've kept it off the internet. That machine was on the internet for 10 hours that day. Yeah, like if I go to my parents' house for a weekend, which we do fairly often, you know, I spend about two hours getting the machine ready. Mm-hmm. And frequently that's preceded by having the machine open and having Visual Studio open because I've been trying to avoid this problem. So, uh, yeah, so I've been, uh, you know, the, the, the latest stuff from Microsoft is really kind of chapping my hind end. So uh, what's going on with you? Well, uh, on the other side of the latest stuff from Microsoft, <laughs> um, yeah, I, Connect 2015 was recent and uh, had a lot of really cool announcements. Um, most of you guys know I am a huge fan of uh, Visual Studio Code for um, an editor. Uh, it's not really an IDE, it's just a code editor, but it's it's my personal favorite and uh, they have added extensions to that. You can add themes. They added a bunch of languages to it. Um, just a lot of great announcements about that, and it's something that is free. Yeah. And it's quick. Um, I did see one thing uh, when I was reading up about uh, just code editors and like which one's the best. And uh, a lot of pros for Visual Studio. The The one and only con they had for it was that it takes longer to load than Notepad. Than Notepad, not Notepad plus plus, but Notepad, and I'm like, it takes maybe half a second longer. That's very strange. You know, that's um, this was a blog post, and it was just. I think that's just somebody trying to find something to rag on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, in their defense, I will say they said, "Hey, there's not a lot that can be said bad about it because they've got a lot of good good going on with it." Also, they opened up the source code uh, yeah. and put it out on GitHub, which is really cool. I use it for everything but like serious Visual Studio stuff. Yeah, um, I've already, I write a lot of JavaScript in it. Speaking of which, I've been doing some JavaScript lately. Um, I showed you earlier. Uh, we have uh, that was some nice tactical coding where you needed to show. Somebody basically what what BJ did is he had to show a client um, what their site title would look like in a bunch of different fonts, mm-hmm. and so he basically just wrote some JavaScript to kind of make that happen on one page so the client could just pick it out. Yeah. Instead of you know trying to hack that together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean that's tactical coding is valid coding. You know, it, it may be a one use you know one shot kind of thing, but if it saves you time, it saves you time. Well, the thing is, I've um, I have taken that, and I did that last week. And what I've done with it since is, uh, I wanted to see if that worked for him, for for this particular client, if setting that up would work, and it did because he was able to look at the different fonts and pick out the one that he wanted for the title. So he wants a, a font for the title, for the subtitle, and for the blog post text, which perfectly legitimate and so what i'm working on now is putting in a uh, a select element into the html 
so that he, he can select which, which he can select is. which one to look at, and then it will load, um, you know, the the title, the subtitle, or an example of yeah. a blog post. Which, uh, by the way, if you guys haven't heard of it, Hipster Ipsum is freaking hilarious, and it's, it's hipsum.co. Yeah, I saw, there's a lot of those different Laura Ipsum generators now. Like, I saw one that was a uh, Lebowski. Really? Yeah, so it's like quotes from the big Lebowski. Oh, that is so awesome. And uh, yeah, there's, a, there's a Star Wars one, and there's, you know, there's a lot of different ones. I'm sure there's, you know, there's, I think I saw one the other day for, like, Ayn Rand quotes. You are kidding. But, uh, I've seen, like, my a, new Ipsum. That's... That... That's one of the JavaScript projects I've been working on, and uh, and the other one actually involves the podcast. Uh, Will and I have set up our own kind of Google Calendar to keep track of when things are happening. We've been using um, LeanKit uh, as sort of a project management, but uh, this is a, basically what I wanted to do is uh, create an event that is numbered. So each week has a different number for the episode number. And I found a really cool um, uh, website online that had been written in PHP to do that, but it created it for a week. So it was like week one, and it covered the entire week. Week one, week two, week three, and that was really neat. I saw it, and I'm like, I really don't know PHP that well, but I think I can do that in JavaScript. Yeah. And uh, I did. I guess it's time to uh, roll that favorite music of yours. I listen to it when I'm doing JavaScript. Huh. It's, uh, it's, it's good for focus when you're working in JavaScript or CSS. Yeah, I Especially prefer, JavaScript that writes CSS. I actually prefer gangster rap for that. Like Every time I have to do heavy-duty JavaScript and I know I'm just going to get pummeled, it's NWA straight out of Compton. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, that... Is always what I use. It fits your personality, whereas you like to be like a little angry, a little annoyed. I like to be like completely um, detached when yeah, I code. I so. guess. All so right, anyway. well, let's roll the music. All right. This week for IOTs, uh, have kind of a, not really a product or a project. Um, this is a web store for IOT products, and it is IOTList.co, and uh, kind of their tagline is Discover the Internet of Things. Um, it's actually, they have some pretty cool stuff on here, uh, like right now it's uh has stuff up the intelligent oven. Uh, of course, obviously they have the the watches, the smart watches, um, and things. But these are um, it's basically products that have been developed for IoT, uh, mostly home automation type stuff. But it's it's got some cool things, some ideas. Uh, good grief! They even have a gaming system for the iPad. On here, yeah, that that's really cool. My office, you know how bad the lighting is in here. Yeah, I do. I'm sitting in here, <laughs> and uh, of course, 
I don't think we've mentioned it, but I know I've heard about this. We have the uh, the Amazon Dash button on here. That's the uh, the button you can press to automatically order yourself more um, laundry detergent. <laughs> uh, anyways, so that is iotlist.co and. Um, of course, I'll put the link in the show notes, but it's got some, they do have some pretty cool stuff on here, some things that have already been developed and some cool ideas that, uh, that as creators and inventors, we can kind of play with and take our own way. All right, guys, this week we're going to talk about why professional developers hate distractions. Uh, honestly, a lot of us non-professionals hate distractions too, but, uh, to start off, Will, why uh, why should we be pointing our bosses to this podcast? Um, manager schedules tend to be a whole lot of meetings and a whole lot of interruptions and people coming in and out and the way things are structured, it doesn't. It's it's like they have to juggle a whole lot of balls at once as opposed to just focus on one thing to the exclusion of everything else. And so it's it's just a different. They have a different set of challenges and a lot of bosses are not uh, particularly aware. Uh, well, that makes that makes sense because their their work is designed around distractions, right? And I mean, many companies that you work at, managers are distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, un- unfortunately, that's there's another there's another few things that come into this as well. Um, a lot of managers understand that their office environments are very distracting, but they feel very disempowered as far as fixing it. And a lot of this can can really be fixed. Uh, fairly simply, so just some simple strategies that can reduce the interruptions can a lot of times improve employee quality of life. And you know the other thing is is that when when bosses can make some quick wins, sometimes that helps them get the power to to fix other things to take it further. Oh yeah. So that's that's, that's why we're you know kind of wanting some you know management type folks to listen to this is because there's some things we can do here that. Some simple things we can do that we think will improve the environment to the degree that you can actually show your boss some numbers. It's like when playing video games, you gain influence over your employees by doing things that helps them. Right. Well, and you're you're gaining influence over your employer or your your, your boss. You know, as yeah. a middle manager trying to get the noise level down, trying to get the distraction level down. If you can do simple things and fix that fix some of those issues. I got to say this. I have mad respect for middle managers that are good at what they do. Yeah. Cause I've been a middle manager. All three I, of them. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I've been a middle manager too. And I was terrible. Oh, uh, I hated it. And so, uh, let's start off, um, with reactions of other professions, um, you know, to the way that developers have issues with distractions. Um, the most common thing I hear is you're just being prima donnas. Or something along those lines. In other words, you're whining. So, what are you meaning by prima donna? I mean, you said whining. But... That you're you're whining because it's it's an excuse for pro you know poor productivity. You know, it's it's sort of like the people that will say a bad craftsman blames his tools. Well, okay, that's if he doesn't have the perfect set of wrenches, and he's like, oh, it's got to be this craftsman, you know, yeah. these wrenches, and it can't be these over here, even though they're almost the same. That's whining. Whereas if it's, okay, we gave you a hammer and you need a wrench. 
That that yeah. I can understand. And so it's it's that sort of mindset. Another thing that you'll hear is, why don't you just wear headphones? Um, another thing I hear is you should be able to code well even with distractions around you. In other words, this is the Robin Hood principle, right? Uh, you remember uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, like 90s movies, right? You know, how well can you shoot a bow and arrow with distraction, the distraction of battle around you? Okay, that's stupid. If you're, in, if you're going, uh, an archer would expect to be in battle, so he has to be able to shoot a bow in battle. A developer shouldn't expect to be in racket. So it's not a valid comparison. And it's that, that kind of mindset of, oh, well, you should just be able to code through it. Uh, another thing is, uh, you know, the, the, then they start making the excuses, right? Distractions are part of the office environment, and they indicate, indicate synergy, uh, which synergy is a big word that is used mostly uh, as an excuse to annoy the crap out of other people. That doesn't make any sense if, with what I've heard about what synergy is. I mean, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm saying it sounds like they are not using the term Well, properly. it's just... It's, you know, it's manager speak or it's, you know, the idea that, oh, hey, you're going to, you're working on a team, so you need to be together all the time, which is crazy, right? Okay. You're married, so you need to be together all the time, even when you're on the toilet. No, you, you have times that you need to be together because it is a team and you have times that you need to get crap done. Uh, Another thing I hear frequently is, well, distractions don't bother me. Well, that's good for you, but you're not everybody. Yeah. Well, and you know, do we really want to have a one size fits all office environment? That doesn't that doesn't really work. We see the results of that quite frequently in large companies that just fall over, and you know they have massive turnover. It's because they have a one size fits all, and it doesn't fit all. It doesn't fit many. And the final thing that I see a lot of is they really don't understand what it costs to context switch. And we're going to get into this a little further in the episode, but do you understand what context switch is? Oh yeah. That's like I'm doing X and you come over and you stop me and make me go do Y. And then I have to come back to X. What do we mean when we say distractions or interruptions? I know we just kind of talked about context switching, but uh, these can be anything from unplanned conversations, uh, especially when you're trying to focus on something else. Random background noise or uh, speakerphone conversations. And well, I, I've not worked a lot in the corporate development environment. Uh, is this something that happens a lot? Yes, uh, it's it's very frequent, especially in open plan offices. You'll you'll find these uh, these CEOs that want to be thought of as visionary, or upper management people that want to be thought of as visionary, and so they go, "Oh, we put all of our people in an open plan." even though managers are having to get on the phone with other managers and be on the phone for three hours sometimes. And so they can't wear a headset because it hurts or they can't wear, you know, they can't you know, have a phone cradled in their shoulder because, you know, it jacks up your neck after <laughs> yeah. enough time. Sometimes I go out to my truck if I need to be on a long conversation. And get on the Bluetooth. Get on the Bluetooth. But they just can't because, do that. Well, no, they can't. I'm just saying I, I understand why they would want to do that because it's so much easier to be able to sit and talk like you and I are sitting here and talking. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is, is they're, you know, they're typing, um, they're playing solitaire because, <laughs> you know, they're stuck in these meetings. And, and so what ends up happening is, is they've got speakerphone on the whole time and everybody else has to hear that. It's this constant background noise. Another thing you'll get, um, 
You get the same thing when you got sales folks that are, you know, the next cube over or tech support, um, you know, where they're having extended conversations. Uh, you'll, you'll get a lot of that. Um, Do you ever have, have you worked at a place where you had tech support, like one or two cubes over? I've had, yeah, I've, I've actually had, um, I've had one in the same cube with me. So speakerphone conversations, uh, loud conversations, it'll, it'll happen a fair bit as well. Like if you're next to a, you know, next to like a manager's desk and it's somebody that people are coming to all the time, you know, they're just right there. And so the talking, so you hear, yeah, you hear all the conversations They might as well be on speakerphone. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're next to the water cooler or the kitchen. You'll also see sudden schedule changes that uh, can break your ability to manage your flow. Well, I mean, you'll, you'll also see this too, where your manager isn't organized. They want to have a quick meeting about something or there's some, it's not really a crisis type thing. It's just, they don't plan ahead and they don't block out time. And you'll get this a lot of times when your manager really doesn't have any power when they're, they are, they have responsibility, but not authority. You mean middle management? A lot of middle management. Um, That's that was one of the big things I did not like about middle management. Yeah, um, and you'll so you'll get a lot of that kind of stuff. I mean, sometimes it can actually be pretty good stuff too, right? Like, you know, the the boss or the boss's boss suddenly decides, hey, let's take everybody out to lunch. That's not bad. Eleven o'clock, but you normally go to lunch at one, and you were expecting to have two hours, yeah. and it's two hours when it's quieter in the office too because everybody's gone. And so those, those sort of interruptions can also be a distraction, especially when you, you can't plan ahead for it. The, the next would be uh, an all-hands-on-deck situation due to emergencies. Right. And, and something and, that can't be avoided. Well, let's back up on that last little bit there. An emergency is an emergency. Like, it can't be helped right now, but a lot of emergencies can be avoided. This can be something as simple as, oh, hey... We didn't deal with, you know, we, we just got hacked. We didn't handle security appropriately. We just got hacked. How do we clean this up? All hands are on deck. Uh, we're having issues with scaling. Yeah, those, those, those sort of situations can actually cause a lot of problems. Sometimes you can't avoid it, but a lot of times it's a, it's a symptom of bad planning or non-existent planning beforehand. And finally, under what do we mean by distractions? Uh, sudden loud noises. We've talked about speaker phones, door slamming, uh, secretaries over the speaker system. Oh my goodness, I, I've got a story about this. So do I. Um, this goes way back. You remember when I used to teach preschool? And I remember. I think you know this story because I had to pick you up one day, and that thing was going constantly. Yeah. Well. When, and a mutual friend of uh, ours. And I worked at another company. Actually, he and I didn't work there together. He took my old job. Mm -hmm. And there was a secretary that would constantly make announcements, trying to get a hold of this senior VP who was never at his desk because he was smart because people bugged him there. So he would go hide somewhere. And she would make announcements over the loudspeakers trying to find him. And, you know, there's like three or four buildings. and He's not in your building. But they're trying to find him. And so what the developers ended up doing is we got up into the ceiling and clipped the speaker wires. The one time I actually got in trouble at my job, um, 19 or 20 at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, it was... Back when you time. were young and irresponsible instead of older, older and irresponsible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, no, the, the, the one time that that actually, that job, I actually got in trouble because during nap time, one of the other teachers gets on the loudspeaker and just yells out for something that could have been handled with a, you know, internal phone call. Yeah. And I got rather irritated and uh, called her and let her know. Yeah. How irritated I was. And uh, I was told that I should have just called the front desk and told the secretary to tell. Well, it works the, the same way in, in programming organizations because you can you call the secretary and chew her out for doing that because it is it is really disrespectful of mm-hmm. everybody else in the building to do that. Yeah. And it's invariably like I know the one where we were. I, I swear that woman must have painted her nails like four times a day because. They change colors? No, it's just she was always painting them. Like, I don't remember. Like, I cannot visualize what she looks like not painting her nails. She always was doing that. And so it was easier for her to, to hit, you know, use like the edge of her hand and hit the button on the speakerphone and call somebody instead of typing up a message or, you know, doing something else like dialing a number. So I think it's probably a good time to start talking about what distractions do to developer productivity. Uh, first off, you know, we mentioned earlier how expensive context switching is. And there's not really any good numbers on this. I've, I've personally found that if I'm having to context switch regularly, it can take about three times as long to do something as it would if I wasn't and I was able to actually just sit down and focus well, that makes perfect sense because whenever you context switch, you have to get yourself out of the frame of mind you're in. Yeah. Put you yourself to, into another frame of and mind. And you have to record the frame of mind you were in so that you can get back to it. Yeah. Because it's otherwise something. it's going to take you a lot of time to get back into that frame of mind. Right. Um, That's where documentation comes in. Yeah. Well, and we'll get into that here in a minute, but uh, you know, multitasking you know, trying to do two or three things at once and you know, context switching between them because really your brain is one processor. So you are not multitasking. You're not multi-threaded. You know, you're not a multi-core machine. It's context switching. It's old school. One thing that this can do a lot is introduce really subtle bugs where, okay, there's this one little edge case you didn't think about. You know, something, something that happens on February 29th. <laughs> it's like the, um, I, I was telling you, you about this earlier. And I think I even mentioned it in the intro. Uh, I was working on a Google, the Google Calendar f- for us, and JavaScript every month is 31 days. And I didn't take that into account when I originally wrote the code that wrote out our episode lists. You know, part of that was because I was doing two or three things. Yeah, trying to. Well, I mean, I've, I've seen things as simple as, um, like, let's say that we're sorting something by date, mm-hmm. you know, by the date released, but they don't notice because they, they context switched. And this actually happened in the production environment. They switched between, you know, doing this thing and doing something else. And it turns out that when they were returning the column, it was a string representation of the date versus the date. Yeah. And it was a string that wasn't like March. If it was March, it wasn't 03, whatever. It was 3 comma, whatever. Oh, I had that problem too, but I, I solved that one early on. Well, what they were doing is they were doing a comparison. And because it was old school VB, 
it was typecasting automatically under the hood. Well, when you do that and you're saying, okay, this sale runs between when, when it's greater than this date and less than this date. Sometimes you have dates further out, like the next year, it rolls over, and you still have that code in there because you're sloppy and you don't remove it. Mm-hmm. And it's a string instead of a date. Now the sale is on again. And you just deeply discounted something. Thing, you know, things are screwed up. You're not, it, they're, like there was a revenue impact. Yeah, that. And I those kind of bugs can happen. Um, it's, it's especially common when you're doing, well, when you're writing code that is multi-threaded itself, mm-hmm. and you're trying to context switch already mentally in the code, and you get pulled off to do something else and come back, you are screwed. Uh, another thing it can do is it can play havoc with version control systems. Uh, you'll, see, you'll see tools like Git, you know, oh, let's create a branch for every feature and do all that. You know, that's kind of a hack. I mean, yeah, it's, it's great that you can do that, and yes, that's necessary in development, but part of the reason that we have to do the branching the way we do it is because people are sloppy. So, you know, if you're using some systems, um, I've had a lot of trouble with this with TFS. I haven't used TFS. So. Yeah, don't. It's You're not the only person I've heard say that. Yeah, so. it's, it's awful. I mean, it's, it's better than Visual Source Safe, which is better than using the file system. Well, I'll be honest, I know Git. Yeah, and so I use Git. For but yeah, you know, it can everything. it can play havoc with that because you end up with a lot of little branches of unfinished work, mm-hmm. and you go, okay, well, I'm going to switch to this branch. Well, now let's see. I guess I need to do. I need to pull latest. Do I need to pull? Do I pull from master now down to here, or do I pull from this other feature branch that I was working on that the team was working on? And I, it's very easy to get things out of sync and screw up there. And yeah. so it's I can see that I haven't. Thankfully, I. In the projects I've worked on, I haven't had that level yeah. of complexity, but I can see how what I have done would would get to that. Yeah, would get to it. So <laughs> uh, Pun intended. Yeah. So um, another thing to bring into play here, and we've mentioned this before, is the uh, the eighty twenty rule. Doesn't that have a name? You the Pareto principle. Pareto. That's it. Um, like, you know, twenty percent of your time is responsible for 80% of your results. What happens if you screw up somebody's 20% time? You're going to mess with you that 80% have, of their results. You have outsized damage. It's like, oh, I just took away 15 minutes. But it was 15 minutes out of the best two hours of your day. And I did it right in the middle, so it screwed up everything around it, too. This is this is why I do my best work at, like, 1 a.m. This is why a lot of developers stay up late. Mm-hmm. is because you learn this pretty early on. You either get into the office really early before everybody shows up, you work through lunch, or you stay late. And it's because of distractions and how much damage they do to your productivity, um, especially when you're in a state of flow. Because you get knocked out of a state of flow, it may take you an hour to get back into it at least, mm-hmm. if you ever do. You know, Another thing, honestly, that context switching really means, like if you're constantly being switched from task to task, your companies go, oh, we move fast and we're dynamic and da 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 that's a bunch of crap. What it really means is that the company's poorly managed. These problems will rear their head. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when that's going to hit and what the revenue impact is and how many people are going to be downsized. If that's the regular management course for a company is is panic mode and most developers, you know, after after the first time you get downsized, every time you see the warning signs, you know what they are. Mm-hmm. And 
this is this is one of them. So this this hurts morale on your team too, and people will start looking to bail because they don't they want to control when they leave. Oh, the the problem from the management perspective on this too is the people that you're going to lose earliest are going to be your best developers. Yeah, because they know they know what's coming. Yeah, they're the now, ones that have the most experience and that will see it coming the furthest out. Yeah, so I think maybe it's a good time to kind of have some analogies um, about what interruptions sort of do. Uh, I, you know, I wrote a few of these down just you know as I was kind of thinking, and these are things that you can reuse if you're a developer or if you're a manager. This will help you understand. Um, if you've ever done a large math problem on a whiteboard, you know, picture doing that, you know, like some heavy-duty calculus or something along those lines, and then picture having someone erase that board at random while you're working. That's what an interruption does to a software developer frequently, especially if it's you know fairly difficult stuff that you're working on. Um, another good analogy, uh, trying to count several hundred loose items uh, while someone is calling out random numbers. Uh, that's extremely difficult. In fact, you know, kids will do that to, to tease you sometimes just to just mess with you. I know some kids that do that. Mine does it. Uh, another, another example is if you're cooking meat on the stove and you have to turn the stove off and leave for an hour, what do you do with the meat? Do you put it in the fridge and let it cool back down and, I don't know, maybe it stays a little too warm and you get salmonella? Do you throw it out? It's it's this sort of problem, right? It's the it's the interruptions that come in. What do distractions do to developers psychologically? And to start off, uh, they reduce the feeling of control and ownership over one's work. Right, because it's I'm working on this, but somebody else can screw it up at any time. I'm building my sandcastle, but the bully down the beach is going to kick it over. Yeah. It leads to a lot of short-term thinking and really destructive project habits. Mm-hmm. Not having control of your own time management, that can seriously raise stress levels. Well, when you don't have control over your life, you don't have control over your life. Yeah. And people tend to react badly to that. Exactly. And, you know, those raised stress levels, that lack of control, um, that can lead to a lot of backbiting. Yeah. Uh, among a team. Yeah, because, okay, your manager just, you know, messed up what you're doing because of what somebody else across the hall did. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of that being handled in a context that's appropriate, that makes it not a huge deal, it's handled in a way that makes it a huge problem for you. And now you're behind and you're less productive because of your teammate. It sets all that stuff up. It's just like you're just lining those dominoes right up to have a major problem. <laughs> That's like those... Uh... No, if you've ever worked at one of those places that just have some rules, you're like, why is this a rule? It should be obvious that this is just like so stupid no one would ever do it. It's because somebody did it. Yeah. And they had to make a rule about it after that. And one, sometimes those rules can be taken out of context and make for a difficult working environment when you're trying to do something where it becomes a distraction is when somebody does something that is kind of stupid and then everybody has to stop working. Yeah. Or somebody else does. It just, it sets up the whole team for failure mm -hmm. and for interpersonal conflict that, you know, if you're a manager, you don't want your team fighting. And this is just 
this is just lining things up so that that happens. Yeah. So there, there's no reason to do this. Right. It also tends to lead to a lot of long hours and overwork. And uh, we've talked about some of the symptoms involved in that. But uh, this is mainly because what we were just talking about with you get pulled out of, um, I hate to say being in the zone, but you really are. Yeah. You get pulled out of that and it takes time to get back into it, which pushes production out. Yeah. And what ends up happening is, is developers, your best developers will feel responsible mm-hmm. for getting their stuff done when they said they would get it done. And so you burn out your first, your best people first. Yes. Doing exactly. this. And the worst ones will stay mm-hmm. where they can create more problems. <laughs> I, can, I can see that happening. Because, yeah, it's called uh, the Dead Sea Effect. Yeah. And well, I think we've mentioned that before, yeah. too. Um, and... It's also really confusing. If you're uh, potentially either checking in broken code or uh, swear you remember something being there that actually is in another branch. Yeah. And, you know, this especially, you know, I've had this problem quite a few projects that I've worked on where, you know, the context switching happens and, like, let's say you got a day to a day and a half of work and you you haven't checked it in yet because it doesn't compile because you're, you're, you're revamping something serious and you have to, you have to save it all off and you have to commit and you get it up to source control because it's backed up and you don't know how long it's going to be before you come back. Mm-hmm. But the next guy that pulls that branch, which may not be you, you know, people go, Oh, well the source control system can handle this. And yes, it can help you handle it. That's like, but it's the same mindset of saying, oh, hey, I think I'll just stand here with a gallon of gasoline and an acetylene torch in my kitchen because I have a fire extinguisher. That may not be something that results in optimal things. <laughs> uh, well, it's not what I th- where I thought you were going, but that works um, too. Yeah. <laughs> that just, <laughs> that's, that's better than what I thought. It's going to be suboptimal. Yeah. Even if you have a, a effectively protective equipment. To avoid the problem. It's like you're just doing something dumb. Mm-hmm. So there's a few things you can do about interruptions in your software development environment. And probably the simplest of these is wearing headphones. If it's a short-term interruption, you know, there's there's some racket in the hallway, you, know, you get customers visiting and, you know, people, you know, messing around out there, you can put headphones on for that time period. Um, you know, even up to like an hour, two hours a day, that's possibly tolerable. Uh, another thing you can do, obviously, is to keep track of where you left off when you have to context switch. Um, that can work some. There's a lot of things that you do in development that you just simply can't write down. The, the way that you express that is the code. When you're working on something and it's it's more of a thought process... Yeah. ...than... You're a, chipping away at yeah. something. Yeah. It's just, okay... Here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to draw a five-dimensional array on paper. I have a program on my phone that can do a four-dimensional. Yeah. Start thinking about... <laughs> it's like th- this does not render in that medium. No, it doesn't. And you may well have something like that, or you may have you know system interactions that are just way too complicated. And if you ever wrote it down, when you come back to it, you're going to be more confused by your documentation than you would be if you hadn't written it. Oh, yeah. So, but sometimes you can, and you know that helps a little bit. 
Um, another thing you could try to do is get interruptions onto a schedule instead of being willy-nilly. Like I worked at a company where uh, we talked to management and said, you know, these little check-ins about how a project is going, can we get those where they happen between 2 and 4 in the afternoon and be left alone the rest of the time? That's a, that's that, a smart thing. Yeah, that really jumped up productivity uh, quite a bit. Well, that that's not only good on on the developer end, but also on the management end. That tells them now they're not going. All right, you know. Oh yeah, I forgot. I need to go by and check this. Now they have. Yeah, right. they got a little bit better on the schedule. Yeah, they have a schedule of when to come and check. Yeah, and so, I mean, that helps too, and, you know, scheduling regular meetings, you know, having a regular time, you know, sometimes you got to manage your boss a little bit and preempt it. So, you you know, you're about to start something that's complex, go give them a status update before you start so mm-hmm. that they leave you alone while you're trying to work. <laughs> I was like, when, uh, when we were recording last week's um, intro, I was up in Cleveland staying with my sister for uh, a week or two. And uh, right before we got started, once we got everything working, I went out and I, I told them, I was like, hey, um, I'm going to be recording. Yeah, don't worry about making too much noise out here because uh, my headset won't pick that up. But uh, my sister was like, all right, you're telling us not to worry about making noise in our own house. Kind of picking at me for what I, the way I said yeah. it. And I was like, no, what I'm doing is I'm letting you know, hey... I'm going to be doing this, and I know how people think, um, especially especially my family. We think, oh, I don't really want to interrupt them, so I'm going to try and be really quiet and keep the kid quiet. And, and I'm going to be all stressed out the entire time and hate you for doing it. Yeah, ex- and, exactly. And, that's, and I told her, I'm like, that's why I came out here to say, hey, yeah. don't worry about being quiet out here because it won't pick it up. All I'm asking is that you guys just don't. You know, come into the room and don't let my nephew come bang on the door. Yeah, and it's it's sort of that same preemption, right? You mm-hmm. just you just want to get it where you know, structure things in such a way that your manager doesn't really have to. Because you know, if, if your manager is getting an email from you with a status update, oh well, then they they don't have to worry. They about don't even have to come by your desk. Exactly. Yeah. They can they can actually chill out and do something else. You know, they've got it right there. They've got a reference. They don't have to write anything down. Everything is. You're, you're doing a little bit of work for them, but you're keeping them off your back. Now, another thing you know that you can do to escalate a little further is actually talk to management um, and, and, and quantify how much time you've lost to interruptions. you got to be a little bit careful with this if your manager is the one interrupting you especially. And, you know, one thing that you have to also do is, is you know, when quantifying things, when you're talking about how the context switching hurts you, talk about how it's going to push other priorities back. Because a lot of managers, especially um, in smaller companies where they're wearing th- three or four hats at a time, they'll come in with some idea that they want to tell you about, and it's distracting, and they want you to do this thing. And if you can actually say, look, I can do this, but it's going to cost this amount of time, it's going to push this other thing back and force them to prioritize instead of everything being top priority, uh, a lot of times this will make this sort of thing disappear. And that's just, well, the other thing that communication does is it sets expectations because, mm-hmm. okay, I'm getting interrupted all the time and I'm constantly context switching. When I'm not getting anything done, that manager's on your side, mm-hmm. they'll, you know, hopefully they'll, this will come into their head. If they're not on your side, you're screwed anyway. Well, yeah. 
Um, another thing that I've found that helps a lot um, before you do a context switch, you know, it's like get whatever documentation down that you need to do and, and all that, and then get up and go walk and come back. Like physically exit the room, go do something else and come back in. Um, I'm not exactly sure why this works, but it seems like that kind of gives a finality to what you were doing where it actually sticks in your head a little bit better. And there's probably some you know, well-funded study that figures this out. But that's, that's something I've noticed with my own productivity. It's something that I've done without even knowing it, uh, just because in the development realm, most of my work is either done here with you or at home. Right. And when I'm switching from switching projects or switching what I'm working on within a project, usually what I'll do is I'll get up, I'll take my dog for a walk, grab something to drink, and come back. And I always thought of it as just refreshing my head yeah. to come in to come into the new project refreshed. I hadn't thought about it from the perspective of the psychological barrier thing. Like when you walk into a different room and you forget what you were looking for. This is just something I've noticed in my career that that helps a lot. It, it makes perfect sense because I, when I've when I get interrupted while doing stuff and then have to go like when I get interrupted by a phone call or something like that and it pulls my attention away I have I ha it takes longer to get back into what I was doing than if I'm switching context to go okay well I need to work on this project now so I'm going to go walk the dog kind of clear my head get myself ready for this pro this project when I come back to the original I'm more able to get into that mode of thinking. Yeah, well, there's that, and it's it's almost like it wipes the slate clean, too, for whatever you're switching to. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's just a weird little trick that I'm not exactly sure why it works, but it, it, it really helps. And the last thing you can do, um, if you're in an environment that's got a lot of distractions, is leave. And leaving can take several forms. One is, of course, you know, trying to get the uh, work from home. Mm -hmm. thing uh, that's sometimes you can swing that most of the time you can't but you know look for an environment that isn't like that you know look because it's it's really a disrespect thing it's a it's a setup where somebody just doesn't care that what they're doing is is causing you problems especially if it's if it's still going on after you've done yeah, the other things that we've mentioned, because if it's something where they don't realize that they're they're causing this problem, then the other things we've mentioned will help fix that problem. Yeah. Um, and if it's a disrespect type thing, it doesn't matter if you do everything we mentioned before, it's still going to go on because it's a disrespect thing. Yeah. And this is when... That's when you need to take other other steps and get out of there partially before you get burnt out. Before you get burnt out, before, like you said, you know, a lot of more senior developers, they recognize yeah. when um, cutbacks and layoffs are going to be coming. Yeah. Well, the boat, you know, the thing is, is when one senior developer leaves, when the situation's already bad, it snowballs mm -hmm. very, very quickly. And the other thing it is, it, it can do to you is you, you'll start screwing up. Yeah. 
And, you know, it's one thing to be, okay, the guy that got a little irritated by noise and quit. You know, that's one thing. Being the guy that caused a half-billion-dollar loss because he screwed up the accounting system. That's a whole other thing. That's un- that's unemployability. Yeah. And so it's it's worth it to get out of there if it's that, you know, if it's that distracting. So we've talked about what what we as developers can do, but we also suggested that managers listen to this. And uh, now we're going to kind of finish out talking about what can management do to help prevent these distractions. And uh, first off, managers can protect the developers from interruptions. Yeah. I mean, that's um, kind of what your job, well, not what your job is, but that is a part of the job of management is to create an environment that... Work gets done in. Yes. Yeah, actually, um, some of the best management advice I ever got was from, he would say he's still a Marine, an ex-Marine who, who was my boss at one of my jobs, and he said that there's really only two kinds of managers in the world. There's crap umbrellas and crap funnels. Crap umbrella keeps the crap off his team so that they can work. A crap funnel dumps it on his team, concentrated, so that it's not on him. I would agree with that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, um, and and that was that was pretty much the thing he did management wise. It wasn't a whole lot of timing. It wasn't a whole lot of you know synergy and team building and all that crap. It was just he kept people off of you so you could you could actually effectively use your skills. And all the other things worked because his people were happy. So as a manager, it's it's better to try to protect your developers mm-hmm. from these sort of problems. Exactly. And a way to do this is to schedule regular events that uh, allow outside parties to interact with developers. Right. Like so if you're doing, you know, if you're doing an, an app, an internal app for another department, you don't let members of that department just come willy-nilly into the development area. Mm-hmm. But you do have a, you know, fairly regular meeting, you know, maybe once a week, once every two weeks, something like that, where you show what you've done, you get questions, you get feedback. You know, that keeps them happy, but they're not messing up your team's productivity. The next is uh, don't assume uh, synergy and teamwork are the same for developers that they are for other professionals. Right. I would say they're not even the same between developers. Yeah, they're really not. And the thing is, is our teamwork tends to still be a lot of solitary stuff because how many people can use a keyboard at once? So another thing is um, insist on respect for your employee or subordinates' time and attention. And, you know, we talked about that some with keeping other departments mm-hmm. off of them. But another thing is doing that within the team. From the junior developer perspective to the other junior developers and entry-level guys out there, it is much more respected if you try to solve the problem yourself and you try to look up answers and if at that point you still don't understand it and still have trouble... Then you go to the senior dev. Yeah, then you go to the senior dev and you say, this is what I have looked at, this is what I've done. I know, just with working with you, Will, a lot of times when I come to you with something, um, you or our mutual friend, because yeah. I've talked to him about things, you'll throw, you'll say, well, did you try this? And it's like, yeah, I did that. That was the first thing I did. Did you try this, this, this? And you'll list off just the very obvious things that... A senior yeah. dev should know, and I'm like, yeah, those are the things that I looked up and tried, and that didn't work, and that's why I'm having a problem. Now, it's an interesting problem for the senior dev as well, um, but the other thing is, is 
you, you still want to use the same time management type things. And so if you have a senior dev that you're working with, instead of randomly peppering them with questions, and work on the parts of the project that you can and write down the things that you have problems with. And then if you have a regular meeting, then you bring it to them. That way you're not screwing up their productivity. Next, you want to, uh, as managers, have enough specifications beforehand so that your random interruptions aren't required for functioning. Yeah, yeah. and that, I mean, this can you know help a lot with, with junior devs because the answer's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get a a better view of the whole system. Uh, the other thing it does is it protects you from uh, buses. If your lead developer or your junior dev, whoever wrote whatever part of your system, gets hit by a bus, how bad are you screwed? Hits the next one, which is insist on documentation from the dev team. Yeah. Um, and set appropriate priorities and make it clear to others that switching priorities has a cost. We talked about this from the developer perspective on explaining to management how context switching affects your productivity. But as a manager, explaining that to other managers, to other departments, even sometimes to customers. Yes. And, you know, this this can actually help kind of protect you a little bit from some of these changes because a lot of things turn out not to really be worth it if it's going to derail something else. But if you don't express that, they just assume that you have capacity. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very easy to get in that mindset of, oh, yeah, we'll just we'll take this thing on because they're, they're shoveling it on us. And, you know, as a manager, part of your role should be to try and you know somewhat throttle that so that only things that are really important get through. You're, you get to be a crap umbrella because if you are saying yes to everything, you're a crap funnel. Exactly. Because, it, well, for one thing, why are you there? Mm-hmm. Are, you're, you're like a work broker. You're, it's like you, you're like that guy from office space. It's like, well, I'm a, I'm a, you know, that gets all flustered when he tries to describe his job and says, I'm a people person. There's, there's a number of ways you can manage this as a manager and really drastically improve the quality of life for your team and also improve your quality of life. Because if you're setting expectations appropriately by doing these things, you're not going to have people jumping down your throat. Oh, exactly. And as a manager, you can say, you can explain why, you know, something is going to take so long when upper management says, oh, we want this done in this time frame. You can then say, okay, well, if we get this particular aspect done, this particular feature, these others are going to suffer because we're going to have to take time away from them. And you can explain that to them where they might not be thinking in those terms. Right. And that, that can also look very good for you mm-hmm. as far as your decision-making capability because you're not, you're not running around like a chicken with its head cut off. You're exactly. planning. You're doing larger-scale things. That's how you get from middle management up. I guess that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah, that, uh, that does. So, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? This is a tool that I, I do generally try to avoid using. Because when I'm using it, it's pretty much my last resort. And it's called Wireshark. And you can get this at wireshark.org. I love how all the things I've picked lately have gotten really simple URLs. It makes life so much easier. But that said, what Wireshark will do is it will actually analyze network traffic coming into, into and out of a box. And so you can actually see what's going on. So if you're doing a lot of uh, socket level programming and you want to see, hey, this is opening some weird port or something's mm-hmm. 
something's hitting my machine and I won't, I don't know what it is and it's maybe my one of my coworkers' machines it's hacked I can see that so I can I can see all the all the traffic coming in and out um, yeah so it'll it'll analyze all this traffic and you can you can see what port it's coming in on and what the payload looks like you know obviously if it's if it's encrypted sometimes you can't really get it but it's it's pretty handy. It's pretty much the, the tool of last resort because when I'm at the point where I'm having to look at you know network layer stuff, I'm probably already screwed anyway. But this is actually you know pulled my bacon off the fire a couple of times where I, I couldn't determine what was happening. You know where something was. You know it's like it can't connect, and somebody says that well I tried to connect and you gave me the wrong information, and then it turns out that well the guy's lying. He tried to connect on the wrong port, not the one I told him to. It's, it's helped a lot with those kind of situations. It's also good if you're doing a lot of network, you know, level programming or dealing with security type things. So it's a, it's a pretty handy tool. It'll come up every so often. You don't use it a ton, said. And it, it gets, it, one thing I will warn you about is it gets in the way of HTTPS because it's basically sitting between you and the server. So it's doing a man in the middle attack. So your browsers will freak out over it. Yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, it's it's still pretty handy, and obviously, if you have a site that you're told is secure, and you are able to run Wireshark, and you can just get on it, that tells you something too. It tells you that that site's vulnerable to a man in the middle, for one thing. But yeah, it's a pretty handy tool. If you have a question or comment for us, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed under Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is OMFG Hello by Argo Fox and is also licensed under Creative Commons and available on SoundCloud. For references, show notes, and to sign up to our email list, be sure and check out the website at www.completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time.